All right, ladies. Up, 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 up. This is Jason Albert, and you're listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. In this episode, we get a bit more serious after our fantasy league breakdown a few weeks ago. On November 28th, Cross Country Canada, the nation's cross-country ski governing body, announced it will have a new CEO as of January 1st in the new year. Here's the quick intro. So I'm Shane Pearsall, and I grew up in Barrie, Ontario, playing the game of hockey and uh, was employed in the oil and gas business for 25 years. I've also been employed in the sport world from the standpoint of I was the the uh, chief operating officer of Bobsleigh Canada Skeleton between 2003 and 2006, leading into the Torino Games. Pearsall also served as the chef de mission for the 2006 Canadian Olympic team and was an elite hockey player earning a spot on Canada's national men's hockey team in 1980. Pearsall will take over for Pierre Lafontaine, who leaves cross-country Canada after a year at the helm. Like here in the States, funding to the sport has been drastically cut in Canada. We'll start off asking Pearsall how he'll try to create organizational stability in his new role. Can you discuss trying to create stability in the leadership role of cross-country Canada? The last CEO will have been in the position for about a year. And it's coming at a time where there's there's definitely been some rumbling north of the border about, you know, struggling with funding, struggling with building commitment for, say, like a women's team. So that's just giving some context. So, so how will you help create some of that stability? One of the things is, is obviously getting with staff. Um, so sort of, I'm, I'm sort of working on a 90-day plan. Within the first 90 days of being at Cross Country Canada, I intend to meet with staff, meet with athletes, uh, meet with volunteers, interact with the what we call the divisions, which are the provinces and the the territories, and try to get a bit of feedback on you know what was like what was it like prior to this past year, as well as what were the good things of this last year. I believe Pierre's done some really good things, um, and so I certainly don't want to lose that, and I want to keep that momentum going. It's my sense that uh, right now that in the last year he's been able to build a stronger relationship between the national body and the provincial and territory bodies, and that's a great thing. I think that's you know if if you're looking at where your athlete's going to come from in the future, it's important to to continue that that relationship with them and offer them services that that they need in order to to do that um so there's going to be some of that give and take in in conversation with them so um i look at creating if you will the stability the stability between the national body and the the provincial body bodies as well as the clubs like i'm looking at this long term like you know life changes and and we never know what life how life might unfold my wife and I love Canmore. The head office being in Canmore is not not an issue with us. We're currently looking at how we might lease or purchase a home in in uh, Canmore. So I'm looking at increasing stability there, and I'm looking at certainly creating a an executive team within the the staff and um, creating stability there. I'm not sure that that's going to satisfy all people, but it's certainly my experience is doing those kinds of things helps build stability. 
And, and I indicated, I got to meet staff face-to-face, and it was just a brief meeting to assure them that I wanted the transition between Pierre and myself to go smoothly, which, I, again, I believe stabilizes leadership. But when I met with them, I talked about, there's, I have no aspirations that this is leading to something else for me in sport. My intent is to, to be a cross-country for, for a number of years. So, again, I think those kinds of words and actions need to follow that. But that's certainly what I'm doing to try to stabilize the, the leadership within the, the sport world of cross-country. You know, thinking of long-term, we're right in the middle of an Olympic cycle. There's a world championships in a f- three months, I believe, end of February, beginning of March. You've got a 2018 Games coming up where you have – Alex Harvey, who is clearly, you know, a potential medal winner. So what I'm hearing you say is long term for sure, at least is at least beyond the the 2018 games. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I, so, so part of my chef experience comes because I, I understand the relationship that goes on between the sport and the COC. Um, to me, with 2018, we, we give our best shot. And, and so my questions to staff, even when I met with them one-on-one, para and able body, was where are we at on our prep with the games in South Korea? You know, they talked about being on the site, uh, talked about working with COC, talked about housing outside the athlete's village and how, we're, how our plan is unfolding that way. So I was somewhat reassured in talking with them that, you know, I mean, there is a good plan in place and, and a process for being ready for 2018. That's good. And we'll do what we can. And, and um, I believe they've done some good foundational work and we'll we'll continue to add to that as we go towards 2018 uh, but for me for sure i'm already looking at 2022 and how we begin to change things in the latter part of 2018 as we work forward to 2022 clearly you were a, a hockey player in a country where it's not exactly slim pickings finding really good hockey players so you must have been really good so how important was it as a developing athlete to have continuity in, in terms of coaching and also in terms of governing bodies that oversee, say, how the national team is run? So I know a lot of people within the hockey world, obviously, and, and I've got an idea, you know, a fair idea how they bring an athlete. Again, within hockey, they start to identify players when they're 17, 18 years old, right? And through to 20, 22 year olds. And, and then obviously towards the Olympic team, which involves the, the professionals. So there's a part of it is that I, I'm a bit of a dreamer. And what I think would be fantastic if at the end of the day is that cross country has some sort of version of that. Beyond exactly what that version will look like, I don't know. But I envision a wall within our offices that has a number of athletes. I don't know the, the data well enough with, with cross country ski athletes, but I mean, whether it's 100 athletes on the wall that we know where they're living, we know what they're up to, we know what their plan is, we know what their training schedules are, their nutrition, their strength training, those kinds of things. And that uh, we're we're tracking them, and and we're not just tracking them because they're an entity, if you will, or an object. We're tracking them for their well-being, you know, the total person. But we're tracking them as to see how they develop and what we can learn from their development, so that we can pass on to the next generation. And I intend to look at the involvement of our current national team athletes and how they can can help with that. I mean, those are, if you will, our best evangelists, right? Our what, how they perform, and what they say to the next generation. And so I think there's that concept that I'm trying to develop and certainly will quiz staff on and 
and the provinces and the territories. There's also a thing where I think crossover sports. I think there's value in looking at athletes that that are training in other sports that might not make it. Like my experience from bobsleigh Canada was that bobsleigh tended to be a second career sport where athletes could participate in track and football, two examples, in in university or high school, and then cross over and become very good uh, bobsleigh athletes and and go to the Olympic Games. So I, I don't know exactly what the sports might be, but certainly looking at athletes in, in other sports that might be able to cross over to cross country may be another way that we, we start to create, if you will, that stability Olympic game or quad after quad after quad leading into Olympic games. From your experience as a, an elite hockey player, did you even notice when there might be you know, a hierarchy change in the governing body, or is it more a function of like, this is my stipend for, for this year? I mean, that's what's important right now. Within hockey, it was for me, and even today, I believe with for athletes that are pro- progressing in the, in the hockey world, if you will, it's like the change from Bob Nicholson to Tom Rainey that, sorry, Bob Nicholson was the CEO, Tom Rainey is now the CEO. I mean, that as a player, you don't pay much attention to that. You're developing within your club team or your junior team. That doesn't have much of an impact on you as an athlete. With, within hockey, I, I, it may have more of an impact within cross country, but I, don't, I wouldn't know that. So what do you see as the, the biggest priority for cross country Canada? I, like, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, for me, the biggest priority is finding that out. <laughs> um, and I think there's going to be ways that I'm going to do that, whether it's through through the executive and the people on the board of Cross Country Canada. I believe that's through the, the divisions. I believe that's going to be through coaches and athletes um, is where I'm going to find that out. And Pierre, the outgoing CEO, uh, he and I plan to meet here in December. So, yeah, I don't have an answer clear cut yet. And how will you address funding issues, you know, as a result of cuts in the OTP or Own the Podium program uh, in Canada? And, you know, as a follow-up, is the Own the Podium program the best system to create sustainability in a non-major sport? So let me address the fundraising first. As I look at fundraising, I, there's two things I, that I, when I'm reading about this, and, and it's my own experience, is that within fundraising, there, it's relational. Uh, you need to have relationships with people. And so certainly my relationship over the last 10 years has been within the oil and gas industry. So some fundraising might go on there, although currently the oil and gas industry is suffering a bit. But I mean, to begin with, that's where I'd start. So there's relationships with, with myself. I think there's also another thing that we need to look at is relationships within or that the people on the board have and how they might open doors so that we might go in and, and present the case for sponsoring cross country. So, so that's one, the relational, but the other part about this and, and it's just as important as saying, thank you. And so I, th- I believe it's, so for instance, Alta gas is an example. I mean, um, I believe that's going on, but for sure people like Alta gas and other sponsors that are involved, Haywood and others. I mean, I, I believe it's very important to stay connected with those people, stay engaged, and say thank you in that process. With regards to fundraising from on the podium, their task is to sponsor and support athletes that are likely going to be on the podium or may have a high probability of being on the podium. And part of it is that's their mandate. And so whether or not it's the right way to go about things. Is, is tough to, if you will, be critical of, of on the podium. 
whether or not they might need to change their mandate. I mean, th- there's been talk about that. As I see it and as I understand things right now, that's their mandate and that the mandate intends to stay that way. Is it the right way to go about sponsoring athletes within a sport like cross country that takes years for athletes to develop and to get to the podium? It's not ideal, but it is what it is. And so we need to work with that. There is some funding apparently that the Canadian Olympic Committee is putting towards development. I don't know the details of that, of this, of it at this point and how that's going to um, unfold. But by all means, it's going to be a priority of ours to to understand how they are doing that that funding and for us to to look at ways that we may get some of that funding to develop athletes in the long. Clearly, Alex Harvey is probably the the most fully funded athlete. You know, then it there's probably some a big drop off, and you have veterans like say Devin Kershaw that have been in the system a long time. But he's also beyond the individual piece. He's part of the bigger, you know, veteran leadership and part of, say, a relay team, both in like, say, the four by 10 men's relay and the, the team sprint. You have a guy who's not fully funded anymore and has to pull a lot of things together to make it viable for him. Do you see a time when maybe you know, emerging athletes that then have a career like Devin that have proven their self-worth that they don't have to spend any of their time trying to make it work for them on the World Cup? Uh, boy, I don't, I, Jason, that's a tough one. I, would I like to see that? By all means. I mean, what these athletes put into training, especially for for sports like cross country, the time involved, the commitment, the 12 months a year, uh, the rooming, uh, the meals, and stuff like that. I, if there's ways that we as a national body can help that, I, I'm certainly interested and we'll look into that. How how it will turn out, I'm not sure. And there's a part of this where I don't know what other people have done in the past. I don't know what CEOs have tried. I don't know what volunteer organizations have tried. But I do know that there are some people that, that give of their own money for the development of athletes so whether or not we can increase that to a larger scale so it becomes a you know the the development level becomes more of a funding from the the national body and if you will the podium athletes get it from on the podium um it's certainly something that we're we're going to look into and and see i think you said you worked in the oil and gas industry for about 25 years and specifically you spent time with alta gas and uh you know, any cross-country fan, I'm I'm sure, even if they didn't know Altagas or what their line of business is, they for sure know that it's smack dab on a lot of the Canadian cross-country gear. Can you just describe what the relationship is with Altagas currently? And if you have a sense that the type of funding that they, the team has received in the past will be in kind in the future? Yeah, I don't like I don't know the the amounts and I don't know the, the ins and outs of it because I, I worked on that file when I was at Altagas, which is 10 years ago, eight, nine years ago. Here's here's a couple of good things about it, though. I think that's happened is one, I, I'm no longer there uh, at Altagas and haven't been there for a number of years. And the relationship has continued on. The other neat thing about this is that that uh, their CEO has changed Um uh, since I worked on the file and it was the CEO that got behind this at the beginning. So they have a new CEO and from what I can gather, and again, I haven't spent a long time on this and asking questions about it, but he, he is, um, engaged as well. 
So that's a good thing. And kudos to Altagas. I mean, that, that sponsorship has been 10, 10 years. I believe this year's the anniversary, the 10th year anniversary. Um, to your point, they've got fantastic exposure. Like, I mean, you walk in the Canmore Nordic Center and you see a, a picture of a, a, especially a, a men's athlete, national team athlete, and there it is, Altagas, their logo. Um, so they've got some great exposure from it. You know, and it's often said in marketing and fundraising, right? It's easier to keep a sponsor than it is to get a new one. And so certainly uh, myself and, and other staff will work on uh, what we need to do to keep Altagas engaged and for them to continue their sponsorship with us. Can you describe how your experience in sport will help you lead cross-country Canada? And I say this as, okay, so if I'm, I'm a World Cup skier, and I'm meeting you for the first time and I'm thinking, I'm not even sure this guy's, you know, and again, you may have, but I'm just saying this, you know, I'm not even sure this guy's thrown on a pair of skinny skis before. That doesn't necessarily preclude you from being an effective leader, okay, in the sport. So can you describe how your experience in the sport would help you lead cross-country Canada? So I can stand up on skinny skis and I've whipped around <laughs> Canmore Nordic Center uh, sometimes and not very many. In fact, my wife and I are, are looking at it, both purchased skis in the last five years and look at it as a sport that we'll do as we get older and have, I've even taken a lesson. I took a skate lesson thinking, hey, there's got to be a correlation here between skate skiing and, and uh, hockey skating. And I was so uh, no, I mean, uh, well, I, yeah, it's getting a, like I, I, I was humiliated when I took the lesson. I thought I should be able to get this. And, I, you know, you certainly get the feel of edges like you do with skates and stuff like that. But, man, it was, like I said, it was humbling. And my wife took the classic lesson at the time, and I'm going, I should have done the classic with her and got my feet wet there. But I, I'm going to get better at that and uh, certainly look forward to that. The, part of it would be, I think, that the benefit, the, you know, how I can lead cross-country Canada is that business background, I think that there's things that the business does well. And I think there's some of those things that I can bring over. Um, my connections with the Olympic movement already and high-performance sport, technically it's been out 10 days that I, that I won, won this job. And I mean won it. Like I, I'm excited about winning the job of CEO of, of Cross Country Canada. I mean, I've talked to a number of people already within sport, uh, media people, sponsorship type people, fundraising type people, and and looking at ideas that we can we can make happen. And so, I mean, this has already begun for me. Although I technically don't get the position till till January, but I'm already, re, you know, refreshing, renewing relationships within sport. Um, I've let some of the people within the business world know that this is where I'm going and they can draw a line between the dots. I'm calling you about sponsorship and how you might be involved. So if I'm an athlete coming in to meet Shane Pearsall, those are some of the things that, that I as Shane am going to put back to the athletes that I think that we can make this better together. I certainly want to know the nuances. I, I'm up to learning those and understanding those because I think that'll help overall. That'll be a beneficial to me and where we go. My next question is like, what will you change at CCC and what would you, what would remain the same? And in answering that, can you kind of describe maybe what you learned in your leadership role with bobsleigh and skeleton and or hockey that you think, you know, you can apply that crossover and here's something that was effective that I saw that maybe has some applicability to cross-country skiing? 
Jason, on this one, I just, there's a part of this where I don't, like, I, it's hard to know exactly what I improved, but I, I want to talk a bit about within bobsleigh, some of the things that I found, and if, certainly from hockey, because bobsleigh tends to be an individual sport. Although there's team, you, you have two men and four men, it tends to be an individual sport, and you get there individually, if you will. But from hockey, the, the whole concept of team is huge. I intend to create a team within staff, um, with our athletes, um, with the, the divisions, because we're not going to be able to do it alone, right? There's just too much work for a small group of people to do. So creating team, hearing team, hearing to the different parts of the team are going to be key. And I think this is a good thing. I think that there's like I think at times when you, within sport, if you just went and hired a cross country ski person, they come in, if you will, a bit with some limited thoughts or thinking or creativity. Um, so when I was at bobsleigh, for example, one of the things is there sort of was this unwritten rule that athletes could only go down a track twice. And I said to the coaches, I said, hey, in hockey, we'd have two, one and a half, sometimes, some days, during, especially during training periods, we'd be on the ice twice a day for an hour and a half each time. And I said, we would sweat hard for, you know, the total of three hours kind of a thing. And I said, this idea that an athlete only goes down the track twice seems to me. And another thing we're trying to do is get, we need to get more runs. Athletes need to have more runs. I said, we got to start to get rid of that unwritten rule. And lo and behold, if we didn't, um, over the three years where athletes started to train more than just twice, you know, down the track twice, twice in a day. And the other thing I said, so well, that, so that twice in a day rule wasn't an international rule. That was just a cultural norm. Exactly. Right. So I look at cross country ski coming in and I, and I don't know what, like, as I sit here today, I have no idea what that, that cultural norm might be, but coming in with a different slant, uh, versus somebody from cross country, um, I think I can sort of look at it and go, hold it here. Let's question that a bit. And I could be wrong. I, and, and cross country may have it all figured out, and that's and great on them. But I think that in part I bring that to the table. And it's to look at, you know, what is going on here and is there a better way for us to skin this cat? Okay. No red flags currently. You were like, hey, here's something that the people are doing that – I should question. I just wonder how much, I just wonder how much, and I don't, Jason, I don't know this, just, this is just from bits of conversations, emails here and there. I just wonder how much we are giving to the divisions, to the provinces and the territories from a coaching standpoint, from a athlete development standpoint, right? Like I said earlier, I mean, this is a big job and we're not going to, the staff, the staff of the national body are, I can tell you, like one thing I know is the national staff is not going to be able to accomplish all that we got to accomplish. And so we need to team up better than ever. And maybe we, maybe it's good. I don't know. We need, we certainly, if it's there, I want to, you know, keep it around. And if it needs to be increased, I want to increase it. And that's the whole idea of team and how we work with the divisions and supply them with what they need and and within reason right i mean it's 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 a it's a logical reasonable reasonable discussion that we have with them but if there's things that we have or could provide to them that would make their job if you will easier or better or produce more athletes boy we got to be thinking about why we're not doing that and giving it to them and supplying it to them what are the roles of clubs within the development system in canada how, how do you foresee that first and foremost the role of a club in my mind is to to encourage athletes to participate in the sport and to s- participate in the sport canada has this what we call the long-term athlete development model 
And there's a side of it that talks about the high performance and an athlete progressing from a club situation and moving, if you will, up the ladder towards the podium. There's also another side to that that's talking about just fitness for life. So I think the role of a club is twofold. One is to get athletes doing it, and two is to create the desire in them to to do sport, whether in fact even regardless of what sport it is, but to do sport for life. So that's got to be a they got to create a club's got to create a positive sport environment, participation environment within the setting. And if you and now if we if we move more to the the high performance, I mean it, part of it would be is developing athletes along the way and whether or not they they have it. Again, I I, I want to make sure that people understand I'm interested in the development of the human being first. When you look at um, people developing in the class, you know, towards the high performance podium, if you have a big foundation, it makes it easier to create podium athletes. And so we need more participation because that means we have more athletes inside the, the um, circle, if you will, and the foundation of our sport. And the more we have there, my belief is there's a higher probability that we're going to put an athlete on the podium than with lesser athletes around or part of our foundation. So I believe those are the responsibilities of the clubs to one, get the participant into the sport and two, to be able to progress them towards a high performance training process. Okay. And you're still sort of don't have a well-defined understanding of, you know, whether or not that's just a blank, not necessarily a blank check, but a, a check of say X amount, and apply it to how you best see fit or specific mandates from cross country Canada saying, this is how you, we'd like you to progress. I don't know that. Yeah. So here, here's a good, good, good diagram. If you will, I, I have two boxes on my diagram and, and I have the bottom left corner is sort of position a and the top right corner is position B and, and position a is where we are currently. And I don't know all the things within, within a, um, position B is up to the right and I put steps from A to B and it's the steps that we need to take to get to B and currently I don't know A well enough to know exactly what B might look like Canada actually has a, a really strong tradition of anti-doping leadership and, and vocal athletes in terms of trying to make a stance to promote clean sport and I'm curious do you see cross-country Canada having a role in that? Part of that where, where the sport needs to, to like, a, like it's a requirement, right? Like that, that the sport backed that and followed that. And we certainly, and, and we will. And I did at bobsleigh. So, I, so it's almost a non-question kind of thing. If athletes like Becky, Sarah, Alex, you know, others want to do that, then, then by all means, I'm I'm fully supportive of that. Is that where you're where you're going? Yeah, I mean the evidence is pretty clear cut from the first McLaren report that there was systematic doping going on before the Sochi Games and then during the Sochi Games that affected Canadian athletes. And what I mean by that is that Canadian athletes were competing against doped skiers. You know, looking at CCC as maybe you know you have a platform. You know, you have a, if that makes sense, I mean, you now have a leadership role in a sport that has cheaters have adversely affected Canadian athletes, you know, from Becky on through, say, Alex most recently. 
Great point. I hadn't thought about it, um, but certainly one of the things within our business uh, plan strategy for the next two, t- 10 years is our involvement in international sport. So it would follow under that. It's not per se a line item at the at this point in time. Part of that is is that it's been left, like I, well, my understanding is Becky's heavily involved there with, with WADA. Um, and, um, and so it's, <laughs> I hate to say this, but it's like, I don't, I don't think I got a dollar to spend on, <laughs> right? So it becomes like, how do you, how do you attack that kind of thing? But there's also the point where it's the elephant in the room and I'm not sure anybody really wants to take on the elephant and wrongfully, but you know, people get political about this. You know, if I squawk here, right? Like, I mean, Becky at the time, you know, too said, Hey, I know that I'm I'm the drug free drug free athlete here, and I came third, and I should have came first. And Dick Pound, our own Canadian, said, "Ah, you're just lying. That's not true." Well, guess what? Time proved her to be true. Right? She is the poster child of this, um, and what she's willing to do on it, great. Where we might be able, I I just don't know till I get there. But where we can, and if we can help out, it would certainly be my vote that we take a part in it. I'm not sure where my board of directors is on this point at this time, Um, but I'm going to find out. You know, as time goes on here. Yeah, I bring that up. You know, from a you know, you're coming from you have a business, you have a sporting background, but you also have a very rich business background. And if you start looking at dollars spent, a real good way of doing that is to ensure that. You spend your $1 on your athlete who's strong and clean. You know, your dollar goes further if you know they're competing against clean athletes, if that makes sense. Yes, it is. Yes, it makes perfect sense. Yep, what you're saying. Yep. Yep. What would you consider to be successful, measure, measurable results if we were talking at the end of the next Winter Olympic cycle post 2018 winning winning a medal winning medals would be that would be very successful and kudos to you know if you will all those that have come before me and to staff um and to the athletes right for accomplishing that that would be that would be great and 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 it's sort of this thing that 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 as a national organization i'm gonna have to walk a fine line on one is going to be the medal performance and two is going to be the increase in participation all right. Well, Shane, thanks a lot for your time. And yeah, best of luck in the new job starting in January. My pleasure. Yeah. Okay, man. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to Nordic Nation. And remember, we are live on iTunes. And you probably already know the promotional drill, but we would love for you to subscribe to Nordic Nation and leave a rating on the iTunes page. All that helps us in the long run produce better audio content. Thanks. Thanks.